0: Welcome back to Radio Dharma, presented by Hindu University of America. Each week, we explore the eternal truths of Sanatana Dharma to uplift and transform our lives. I'm your host, Shilpa Agarwal, fiction author and faculty at HUA. Welcome back, Induji. We're here talking about understanding Hinduphobia. And one thing that struck me in your previous answer, which was at the kind of beginning of it, where you talked about standing up and um, speaking out, that is pretty powerful because I would say that many of us who grew up here and maybe even in India have internalized Hindophobia. And I'm I'm wondering about, um, you know, how do you begin when it's inside of you? Because I think for many people, it is inside of us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really, really important point. Um, it's it's internalized and it's normalized, right? Right. And so I think there, it's really, really important to get to the roots of it to understand the origin story of this. Now, one of the claims made um, to dismiss the existence of phobia is that it's a new concept that was developed post twenty fourteen in order to justify the misdeeds of the current Indian administration. Despite the fact that the term Hindu phobia appears in literature over a hundred years ago. And the and when you look at our definition, when you look at the phenomenon of Hindophobia, it's been happening for thousands of years. It includes the destruction of Hindu sacred spaces, the rape of Hindu women, the genocide of Hindu peoples, et cetera. This has been going on for, mm-hmm. for well over a thousand years. Mm-hmm. Um so I think first it's even knowing and having a concept of Hindu history, which we don't. I don't I don't think that we actually have a comprehensive and a cohesive or coherent story, whether it's the broad global Hindu story or even just the Hindu American story.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Right. So and and it's it's the latter that I cover in the course, uh, because there's just too much to cover in the larger, larger story. We do touch upon what, what's happening in India in the course, but the course is really about the origins of hindu phobia in the united states over a hundred years before hindus even lived here
0: wow that is Um, very powerful and you are targeting also um uh working with high school and college students is that correct
1: that's right i think yeah I, i think it's really important because you know Hindu American high school and college students, while they might be aware of current representations of Hinduism in their textbooks, it's quite alarming to understand how insidiously it was woven into American textbooks Mm -hmm. in the early 1800s. Right. First of all, the fact that we don't even know, most people don't even know that that's the case. That's right. And second of all, the ways in which this impacts, um, Today's understanding of the depth of this problem, because it's been woven in so deep. So I'll I'll just give you a glimpse of some of the stuff. I don't want to steal my own thunder. People should take the course.
0: But, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, one of the texts we read is Michael J. Altman's um, Heathen, Hindu, Hindu. And so he talks about how, you know, at the at the turn of the 18th century. You know, between the 17th and 18th century, when schools were really the site for um creating the American citizen, the concept of the American citizen was modeled after the Protestant. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the foil to that, because you have this battle between Unitarianism and Trinitarianism that is the main battle of, of the United of the formation of the United States, right? It was the Unitarians leaving mm-hmm. uh, as religious refugees, mm-hmm. uh, and then converting everyone that they enslaved and converting everyone that they whose land they stole. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have this battle between Unitarianism, which they're trying to create that as the model for the ideal American citizen, which is the purpose of American education, is to create the American perfect American citizen. Um, the foil for that is the Catholic. And even further than that. Are the heathen Hindus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you were getting this reportage from missionaries and other uh, colonial reporters to the UK, to, Eng- to England, and that was making its way to the United States. And so in American textbooks or through teaching practices, were stories of the heathen Hindu child who was being abused and misguided and all of these other things by his heathen parents and community. And it was only when he converted to Christianity that he became liberated and was educatable and could actually progress
0: in society. That's right, that makes sense. And it, as you're talking about that, it reminds me of the article you, you recently published in America American Kahani magazine, where you speak about Hindophobia as um, colonized education in the form of psychological attack. And I thought that was a very succinct and powerful way of stating it. And I'm interested to hear more about your thoughts on this idea of education as as psychological attack. Of course, we've seen it in terms of indigenous communities here in America, but in our own community.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So again, if we're talking about the United States, because I think American education is a very different site than Indian education. And I know mm-hmm. a lot more about American education. Um, as early, I mean, as, as I would say as recently as 100 years ago, which in American history is a lot of time, but. Um, you know, when you had the the shift in immigration patterns to other different parts of Europe coming into the United States before, you know, 1965, you had Irish people and Italian people and other sort of Mediterranean Europeans coming in, you, you see literature, even in a port city like, even and especially in a port city like New York, and also I'm, I would imagine San Francisco as well, you would have similar instructions, but definitely New York was much more vibrant in terms of its Um, uh, public education teachers are instructed to normalize their students even if it means that this creates a fissure between them and their parents Mm. right so they're instructed so this is now not just not about values this is in terms of their appearance what they eat how they talk that's right so education becomes the site the main site of the assimilation project as mm-hmm. enacted by the American government, right? Because public schools are the, are the largest point of contact for immigrant families mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that have children. Mm-hmm. And so this interaction between immigrant communities and American public schools, this tension continues to exist in, in a very different way I would say than it does for um it's similar to to um, what what was going on in the Indian boarding schools here mm-hmm. for Native American children because you had, you know, kill the native, save the man type of um, education happening. Um, and but but it was a little bit different than what was happening with uh, formerly enslaved populations in the United States. but but this in this relationship between immigrant immigrant parents, immigrant families and schools, has been fraught for so long because mm-hmm. the idea is you know you have these families immigrating with this id this ideal that you know we're coming for here. Perhaps it's forced. Perhaps they didn't want to leave their their motherland, but they were forced to for any number of reasons, including possibly U.S. interference, um, forced migration to the United States, or you know they just have this dream or this vision of the United States as being this incredible place where they can give their kids opportunities, and and school is a is a really important part of that journey, part of that opportunity. Yeah. And yet the instructions coming from school are. Normalize these kids, assimilate mm-hmm. them, you know, to the point where uh, English is a second language in many districts around the world, around the country, is still classified as a learning disability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? That's how you know, quote, abnormal it is to not have English be your main language here.
0: That's right.
1: So, um, so that's just sort of the, the the history there, right? And of course. The universalization of American education is to create a workforce. So you want to assimilate these people and also create a really, really large workforce because you want to create an, an advantage for, you know, employers to have so many people available for work, and then these people can be employed for less. That's, you know, that's the other part of immigration is that it's a cheap
0: workforce. Um, so what I'm getting from you here really is a really important point: is these meta narratives that are happening that are invisible but are happening to shape certain certain populations that are coming in to make them usable within a capitalist system, basically. Yeah. And yeah. that means fitting them in within a normative idea of what it means to be a human being in American society. Yeah, absolutely. Anything that falls outside of that is almost like a threat. And absolutely. so you have to create narratives that kind of keep that out. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But how does this figure into um the relationship between hindu american families and school um, i think it's really really important to learn all of this history to understand and and not just our history with it but all different immigrant community histories not only in terms of their relationship in these meta narratives but how they've advocated for themselves and what has helped create shifts so the the point here is not to create what some people critique as you know a victim mentality but it's really really understanding how change happens and and what, how things move from one to the other. Because I do think that there is this misconception within our community that we're the only ones that have experienced this kind of, and in many ways it is unique. have experienced any kind of categorical discrimination through schools. And that's, that's untrue. It's just the nature of it is, is somewhat unique for us.
0: So Mm -hmm. take the course to learn more. Beautiful. And with that, uh, your class, Understanding Hinduphobia, starts Tuesday, January 17th, and runs every Tuesday until the end of March from 9 to 10.30 p.m. Eastern, which is 6 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. And to learn more about the class or to register, please go to www.hua.edu. Thank you so much, Indiji. It's been wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much, my dear. Thank you for listening to Radio Dharma, presented by Hindu University of America. Discover more about us on social media at study at HUA and visit our website, hua.edu. Tune in to your highest frequency every week right here on Radio Dharma.